Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. And in February 2016, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In just two and a half months, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. As of now, I'm 80 pounds lighter with no signs of diabetes or heart disease. Hi, I'm Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia. I've been on a ketogenic diet since April 2014. And when I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I've lost about 100 pounds. I've completely turned my health around. And this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in nutritional ketosis. And reversing diabetes. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software oompa-loompas, so we're not afraid of a little technical <laughs> detail, are we, Carl? No, no way, <laughs> We have done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind them, and we share studies that we found in the show notes. You'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. Yep. We love to cook, and we love to eat. Mm-hmm. In every episode, we both share a keto recipe that, well, it can't be ignored, so don't try. <laughs> yeah. So let's start podcast number 138. Ovolactober. So, Richard, do we have any apologies or corrections from last week's show? Let's see. Last week's show is uh, number 137. Gary Feck is a free man. I have nothing to apologize. I'm not going to apologize for referring to the dietitian's ass of Australia. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not going to apologize. All right, then. Okay, well, let's revisit what a ketogenic diet is. Ketogenic diet is one that puts you into a state of ketosis where you're burning fat for energy rather than glucose. Mm -hmm. And to do that, one surefire way is to reduce carbohydrates daily to 20 grams or less. Yep. Uh, Protein is moderate, and what we used is one to one and a half grams of protein every day per every kilogram of lean body mass that we have. Yeah, there's a rough way to work that out. It's roughly three quarters of your body weight. So if you are... 100 kilograms, uh, then roughly three quarters of your body weight is 75 kilograms, and one to one and a half grams per kilogram would be between 75 grams and 125 grams, roughly. A protein a day, yeah. A protein per day, yeah. But I mean, you know, if you're if you're really quite obese, um, then you know the figures will be quite different. But in in which case, um, use one of those scales that tells you what your lean mass is. Right. Well, anyway, we want to get all our energy from fat. Exactly. (laughs) Either the fat on our plate or the fat from that Krispy Kreme that we ate a decade ago. And if you're just starting, listen to our starting keto show at start.2keto.com. All right, buddy, I almost hesitate to ask, how was your week? (laughs) Uh, it was actually really quite good. Um, I went vegetarian like at the beginning of the month. I've been yeah. vegetarian for the whole of October. And I thought initially I was going to be pesco ve- vegetarian, which is where you eat fish once a week. Right. Uh, but I haven't eaten fish. I haven't needed to. I haven't felt like I wanted to. Um, so yeah. I've just, I may not eat fish for the whole month. We'll see. And that's sort of the subject of our talk today. We're going to dive into your experiences eating vegetarian. Yeah. 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 Why the hell I did it for one. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is that school is kicking my ass. Uh, no. I am just, uh, you know, it, it's a lot of hard work um, mm-hmm. uh, being a university student. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I've got like uh, three assignments all due this weekend and then I've got a midterm exam on Monday and I've I, basically I should be revising that. So, you know, that it's a lot of hard work to, to do it, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the heck out of it. So. Well, that's great. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> and the other thing is that I'm getting ready for low-carb Gold Coast in October. That's ah, yeah. uh, going to be uh, – that's uh, not this weekend coming, but next weekend. So that's mm-hmm. going to be cool. And then in November, I'm going to be emceeing an event. Actually, funny story uh, – the uh, I just found out my exam date. So when you when you're a university student, you normally don't find the actual days of the exam until towards the you know towards the end of the semester. Yeah. And I'd already agreed to be the MC for this event in in Sydney on the 10th of November. So you have Saturday, a little date conflict. I kind of <laughs> do because normally exams 
aren't on Saturdays. Oh. And so I said, fine, I can do it, not a problem. Turns out my chemistry final is actually on that day. Oh. Uh, so I spoke to the lecturer and he said he will let me sit the exam earlier or later. Wow. So I'll probably sit it earlier so that I've got everything out of the way so that I can just enjoy the conference. Cool. Very good, man. So how was your week? Uh, my week was great. Um, Keto Fixer is going well. That's the new video project I've started. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my goal right now is just to get some sort of pilot done, whether it's just a teaser or um, we actually you know, see a, a get a taste of, of what the, the film and or series is going to look like. Sure. But I've already got clients and they've already started eating ketogenically and losing weight and they're blown away. And um, I'm shooting and editing video a lot this month trying to get the pilot nice. done. But, but a, a lot of it has just been going to their houses and cooking with them. And that's been fun. So this is where you're going into the house of somebody who's got type 2 diabetes and uh, obese. And mm-hmm. and they've never they've never tried keto or they've tried it before and it didn't work. Uh, it depends. Um, one guy had tried it and succeeded, and then just oh. you know hit the the stall that everyone hits. Yeah, figured something was wrong with him and he didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> oh no! And went off it. And and when he when he went off it, he went really off it. His A one C is like ten point five. Oh no! Yeah. So yeah. so he needed a, a kick in the butt to get back on it. And another guy isn't diabetic at all, but is obese and needs to lose weight in order to have a surgery, a hernia surgery. All right. Wow. So he's motivated because he's had the surgery five times and it's failed hmm. every time. Ooh. And they told him it was because, you know, he needs to lose the weight. Because he's white. Yeah. 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 So the third person is a lady who's been diabetic for nine years. Okay. And she has a doctor who isn't very helpful, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> This doctor tells her, don't measure your blood glucose. Don't worry about that. Um, and, <gasps> I, you know, every time I hear this, I just wonder if they, if, I don't know. It's just, don't get me started. Putting the fingers in their ears going, la, la, la. Yeah, I can't it's hear just that. unbelievable, <laughs> right? So how long has she been diabetic? No, was it nine years? Nine years, yeah. yeah. <gasps> and she doesn't want to measure glucose. Oh. And she's not on insulin. You know, she takes right. metformin, and I think she takes glipizide, but I'm not sure. I can't yeah. remember. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, she doesn't have a gallbladder. Oh. So okay. that presents a little bit of a challenge because um, a gallbladder stores bile, yeah. which is made by your liver and is used to digest fats. Yeah, that's true. So we're trying this experiment with her, and it's based on an, an idea that I had. And I'm no doctor, but it's an experiment, right? So what I know about gallbladder removal is when you have your gallbladder removed, your liver still makes Mm. the same amount of bile. It's just that it bypasses this, you know, gallbladder, which is now removed, and goes directly into your intestine. Yeah. Yeah, it can't build up a sort of like a reservoir of a whole bunch of bile. Right. And when you eat a meal, then it would normally squirt it out. That's right. Got to have a continual drip of the stuff. That's right. So a continual drip of something means that you have to temper uh, time and amount yeah. in order for it to work. So anyway, um, what we're going to try is smaller bites of higher fat foods spread out throughout the day because the goal is to get her fat adapted, right? Yeah, sure. You know, yeah. and, and you got to start that with fat. I mean, whether mm. she has plenty of body fat, but yeah. you have to sort of start that by fasting or- yeah. A ketogenic diet, which means she has to eat more fat. So mm. so we're not really worried about the time window right now. We're just trying to get her yeah. her her body used to fat. And we have yeah. to figure out how much she can eat over what period of time in order to uh, utilize the bile that she has. Mm. So anyway, it's been a fun ride and, and it's great. And I'm really, really enjoying myself. Sure. Um, another thing that I'm doing uh, is I'm heading down to Low Carb Houston at the end of the oh, month, right. yeah, to uh, live stream the event. That's Nadir Ali's event. He N- yeah. spoke at Keto Fest, didn't he? That's right, yeah. And he asked me to uh, come do the live stream because he was impressed by what we did at Keto Fest. Cool. So this is one of the services of my production company, Pwop, Pwop Studios. We do a, a three or four camera shoot. We record it and stream it live and switch the cameras and all of that. And after that, the video is immediately available on YouTube. Nice. Oh, and I got a Prometheus report on my genetic data, which I got from 23andMe. Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. you interpreted it for me. I like having smart friends. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, no, I, 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 I did as much as best I could, but I'm no expert. Yeah, it's just, uh, it was just really great to uh, get that instant sort of knowledge feedback from you. So thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> well, I, the only reason I knew anything about it was because I got my own 23andMe about a year ago and got a Prometheus report of my own, and then had to learn yeah. how to interpret them. So uh, right. So that was that was the only reason. The interesting thing for mine was that I found that I have one percent Indian ancestry, which is something yeah. that's going to come into. Uh, it, we're going to actually mention it towards the end of the show. So. All right, cool. But now let's give away some swag. Sure. Every show, we pick a lucky winner at random from the members of the Two Keto Dudes fan club. And today, we're giving away a treasure trove of stuff from vendors we like, all of which you can find at fanclub.twoketo.com. We also need to mention a caveat. Most of our vendors can only ship inside the U.S. That's right. However, if we happen to pick someone outside the U.S., we will find something to send you, but it probably won't be the treasure trove. That is, until we can find an affordable means of distribution. So who's our winner this week? Richard, this week's winner is Owen Marsden. Congratulations, Yeah, Owen. congratulations. Let's tell everybody what Owen's won. Sure. Well, the first thing we're giving away is a Two Keto Dudes coffee mug that says, Keep Calm and Keto On. And a signed copy of Lies My Doctor Told Me by Dr. Ken Berry, online at lies.twoketo.com. And a bottle of Stevia Sweet Barbecue Sauce, developed by a barbecue restaurant owner who plans to change the restaurant industry forever. Only two carbs per serving, online at steviasweetbbq.com. And a cheese-making kit from Wine & Way. Pam Zorn gave everybody at Keto Fest a kit so that they can make their own fresh mozzarella. Online at wineandway.com. That's W-I-N-E-A-N-D-W-H-E-Y.com. And a six-ounce cup of beef bone broth concentrate. Say that six times fast. From Birthright <laughs> Nutrition. Just add water, heat, stir, sip, and enjoy. Jam-packed with good stuff. More at birthrightnutrition.com. We're also giving away a bottle of Remag Magnesium Solution developed by Dr. Carolyn Dean, along with a copy of her protocol, and the Keto and Magnesium Manifesto, online at magmiracle.com. We're also giving away a big bottle of Fasting Drops from Keto Chow, a well-formulated blend of electrolytes. Just drop a little in your water and fasting will be a breeze. Online at fastingdrops.2keto.com. And two bottles of Sated, one chocolate, one vanilla, online at sated.2keto.com. And from Keto & Co., a sampler six-pack, a bag of brownies, four bags of different flavored cauliflower rices, and a bag of flatbread, online at ketoand.co. And if you don't want to wait to win some swag, you can buy all sorts of it online at gear.2keto.com. Yes, you can. All right, well, we got through that. Now let's uh, get to another <laughs> segment that we call... Mail! Oh. <laughs> what you got, Carl? All right. Well, my mail is a post in the success thread, success.2keto.com, on the nice. ketogenic forums. This is from Jennifer Lanhart. And she says, growing up, I had a lean athletic build. I never struggled with weight until after the birth of my first child at the age of 20. I gained some extra weight during the pregnancy, and like many women, it never left. Hmm. I could not conceive again until I was 26, not for lack of trying. I was diagnosed with PCOS and endometriosis. The term insulin resistance was not a part of that conversation. My doctor urged us to try in vitro fertilization, but this didn't feel right to me. I was told without appropriate interventions, I would not get pregnant again. Wow. Somehow I did, despite not changing anything in my diet or lifestyle at that time. I didn't know any better. Yet, after the birth of my second child, I was categorically overweight. Oh, dear. My weight went up and down several times over the following years, not by anything I intentionally did or did not do. I was also suffering with migraines, and many times this included loss of appetite, nausea, and vomiting. When I did eat, it was as close to the guidelines as I could. I did have a major sweet tooth and soda addiction, which I credit with getting me through the last few months of school while working <laughs> full time. Right. Fast forward to a few months before my 40th birthday. I elected to have a full hysterectomy to treat my unpredictable, painful, and misery-inducing menstrual cycles. I'll save the gory details. I'm sure many of the ladies are silently nodding right now as the list of complaints seems so common. I recovered slowly and found myself at 270 pounds on the scale. That's a size 20. Wow. A trip to the ER for abdominal pain revealed that I was likely diabetic. I was not surprised. My initial visit with my doctor didn't go well when she confirmed that I was, indeed, now a diabetic. 
I plainly replied, I refuse to accept that. I was given the standard, diabetes is progressive, you need these pills, and will someday probably need insulin, talking to. Yeah, I had that talk too. That's the standard of care. Mm -hmm. The diabetic nutritionist assured me I needed to eat three meals a day with 30 to 45 grams of carbs in each, plus snacks in between. Eat all the time. Such bad advice, isn't it? Yes, it is. So did she follow the advice? That's the question. I mean, I'm on the edge of my seat. This is like a murder mystery here, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) When I told my doctor and the nutritionist that I had no intention of following their advice and was going to cut out carbs, I was laughed at. I was told it was not sustainable, maybe even dangerous. My husband was concerned. Of course he was because of the dogma that is Mm. our nutritional guidelines. Eat fat. Cut out carbs? That can't be healthy, can it? <laughs> I dove in headfirst, thanks to the advice of a co-worker who was using keto to treat her own PCOS. Oh, somebody saved the day yes. and saved her life. All right, yeah. well, she goes on. I read everything I could get my hands on, which at the time was not much compared to now. This was late in 2016. So at the beginning of the upswing, we are now seeing. Mm. Well, that was the year that we started. Yeah, we started in 2016, yep. Yeah, in January. Yes. Wow. Keto is everywhere because more and more people are talking about their successes, like this forum here. Mm-hmm. Being the stubborn gal I am, I wasn't going to let my doctor or nutritionist bully me into what they thought was best. I was going to show them. And that is exactly what I did. But not for them, for me. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well done. So, and despite everything they were telling me, my A1C was uh, 6.8 in August of 2016. Thanks to keto, in a mere four months, I was able to bring it down to 5.1. Wow. It has remained at 5.0 for over a year now. Outstanding. I lost, and here we go, you ready? I lost 120 pounds in 10 months and have kept it off for a year and a half now. Oh, that's w- well done. Yeah, well done. I feel amazing, like a new person. In fact, I did not really understand how awful I felt until I got well. I still suffer from migraines, but no longer take daily medications for them. The back problems that plagued me for years are virtually non-existent, and my thinking is so much clearer. My nutritionist sent me the following message, quote, You are such an amazing person, and congratulations for living a healthy life. Keep on doing what you're doing and show the example that it can be done. End quote. As if that wasn't awesome enough, I inspired my doctor to try keto and she herself lost weight. (laughs) (laughs) Treat your doctor. (laughs) (laughs) And now recommends lowering carbs to all her diabetic patients. Yes. That's the way to do it. My husband also <laughs> lost 60 pounds. I talk about keto to anyone who will listen. <laughs> That's outstanding. Yeah. So a couple of uh, things I want to comment about there. Her back pain may have been just like the, the, the structure of, of where she was carrying her weight. Sure. So part of that, you know, as as you end up with less belly fat, less visceral fat, yeah. um, where you carry your weight changes. And so you know, yeah, things like lower back pain can improve. Yeah. Yep. The other thing is that migraines, there's a, a friend of mine, Eleanor Goss, who's a, a, a researcher, PhD researcher in Germany, in Basel in Germany, who has written a couple of papers about uh, treating uh, migraines specifically with ketogenic diets. And she's actually worked out the mechanism behind it. So the reason why um, Jennifer's uh, migraines seem to be abating on a ketogenic diet may be the beta-hydroxybutyrate in the bloodstream. So it has specific benefits for for migraine sufferers. Wow, very cool. Very cool. Well, that's my mail. It's very inspirational. And man, that that thread just keeps on giving, doesn't it? Yeah. I just want to say thank you to everybody who's added content in that thread because, Mm. you know, we take advantage of that every week to tell stories and we do it for two reasons. One, one because it's because, you know, we want to share people's success. Uh, But the other thing is it it inspires new people to, uh, to, to, to try keto. So, you know, it's it's not just free content for us to fill our podcast with. It's just also a way for people to find out how they can cure their own health problems. And yeah. by seeing somebody else do it is probably one of the best ways to uh, get that motivation. And especially if you start seeing the same story over and over and over and over and the same right. successes over and over, you kind of get to think, well, maybe there's something here, right? Yeah. I don't know of anybody directly who's failed 
in a big way to make a success out of keto. I mean, no. some people have small successes and some people have massive successes. Right. But I'm not sure I, I know of anyone who really didn't get some advantage out of uh, going ketogenic. Yeah. yeah, me too. So that's what I got, Richard. What do you got? So I've got one from the Keto Cockney on uh, ketogenic forums. This, mm-hmm. uh, this is Drew. And he started a thread on the fact that the United Kingdom's Labor deputy leader, this is the deputy leader of a, of a major political party in right. the United Kingdom, yeah. has gone ketogenic. And you've probably seen stories around Facebook. This is the guy's name is Tom Watson. Yep. And he had type 2 diabetes and, and he has, has reversed his diabetes. There's a, there's a story on BBC. We'll, we'll link to it in the show notes and also uh, one in the Express. Essentially, he's gone from being a very unfit, overweight man to having a normal body shape. You know, mm-hmm. and so, he, and it's one of these things that everyone sort of gets this as a personal epiphany. And uh, I mean, doctors who go who who treat people ketogenically generally were overweight at some point, and they right. uh, discovered a ketogenic diet fixed them, and then they tried it on their on their patients, yeah. and found that it it to be you know a remarkable technique. So anyway, this uh, message was both a direct message to me by Drew, but it's also a post that he put in the forum. Yeah, and Drew sent his mate Tom. This is Tom Watson, the, the deputy leader of the Labor Party, sent him a message congratulating him on his ketogenic weight loss and, yeah. say, and telling him the story about how uh, Drew himself has, you know, lost a lot of weight. Right. And so anyway, uh, Tom Watson responds. This is a, a letter to our buddy Drew the Keto Cockney on, on the ketogenic <laughs> forum uh, from the deputy leader of uh, the Labor Party of the United Kingdom. Uh, he says, hi, Drew. Thank you for taking the time to get in touch with me and sharing your experience. I can only say what worked for me, as this tough journey is different for everyone. It's taken me one year. For others, it may take five years or more. I just wanted to share my story with others to get people talking about the issue and raise awareness. I felt that setting realistic goals and giving myself rewards kept me motivated. I rewarded myself with small things for my old bicycle, which had the mothballs blown off when I was ready to exercise. (laughs) I've enjoyed every bit of getting fit again. Mm. I now want to use my personal experience to help develop policies that can really make a difference to people's lives. Wow. I don't have all the answers. That's why I've set up an independent commission to look at all the hard evidence and experience from people like you. It's currently in the early stages of planning. Hmm. I've been so touched to receive so many messages of support. It's amazing to hear how much me coming out and talking about my experience has inspired people. Awesome. I'm going to be working much more on the issue in the months to come. It would help me if I could keep in touch with my progress. Thank you again for getting in touch. Best, Tom Watson. How cool is that? So there you go. Yeah. So, you know, it it, it helps. You know, if, if you hear a story about somebody who's lost a lot of weight going ketogenic, reach out to them. Let yeah. them know that you have as well and, and wish them all success. And you never know what kind of inspiration you can be. That's right. Absolutely. And both of our males today demonstrate that. Yeah. You know, in Jennifer's... Jennifer's example, she got her husband and her doctor to sort of change their mind. Right. And the thing is, her doctor's probably going to see 10,000 people over the following year. Right. And if two-thirds of them are overweight, potentially she could have 6,666 new ketogenic dieters just from converting one doctor. That's so cool. So, you know. Very cool. All right, that's the end of the mail segment. So now we get into our discussion about your experiences going vegetarian for the month of October, which you called Ovolactober. <laughs> yeah. So I'm the interviewee this time. <laughs> I know. This is great. Yeah, All right. So yeah. my first question, mister, is <laughs> why the heck did you decide to All do right. this? I know, right? So, and everybody's been saying this but on Facebook, on the ketogenic forums. Why would you do this to yourself? Right. Um, so, the reason why is because um, there are 1.3 billion Indians, that's billion with a B, uh, and most of them are culturally vegetarian. Not all of them are vegetarian all of, all of the time, but at least 30 to 40% of them are, are vegetarian all the time. And in a lot of cases, it's, uh, it depends which caste they're in um, right, yeah. as to whether they're culturally vegetarian. Yeah. Um, you'll find that a lot of uh, Indians will eat dairy products like uh, paneer cheese or ghee. They'll cook with ghee. Mm. Um, so they're really lacto-vegetarian. And some will eat eggs, and so they're over lacto-vegetarian. So that's right. really that's where my inspiration was. And 
I, I remember Stephen Finney once said, when asked in Sydney whether it was possible to be keto and vegetarian, that uh, ovo-lacto-pesco vegetarian was entirely possible. That's where you eat, you eat vegetarian, but you also eat eggs, you eat dairy, and you eat fish. Um, and he said, you know, even ovo-lacto-vegetarian would be possible, but going pure vegan and keto is very difficult. Unless yeah. you're willing to get used to the flavor of coconut oil. <laughs> yeah, and avocados, right? Yeah, and avocados, yeah. Mm. So uh, so anyway, that's why I'm doing it. Um, you know, there's uh, 1.3 billion Indians, 30 to 40% of them are vegetarian, and two-thirds of them are on the slippery slope to type 2 diabetes. And we know from doctors who you know treat people in the subcontinent that there is a lot of Indian people who have type two diabetes. I mean, yeah. Asim Alatra and Ted Naiman both spoke to us about these things. Now, the other thing that comes to mind about Asians in general mm. is that they have this genetic predisposition towards um, not their body fat not taking the bullet for them, right? Right. I yeah, they go to... from zero to a hundred really quickly. Yeah, yeah. with right. diabetes, they 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 go from having a little pot belly uh, to you know to risking ampu uh, amp lower extremity amputation in about five, six years. So whereas, wow. you know, those of us who are European, um, what happens is our body fat takes the bullet for 10, 15 years, right. getting slowly fatter and fatter, and our body our body fat is basically sweeping up all of that excess energy yeah. um, and, and, and preventing us from getting too sick. And that's, that's uh, why you know, a guy like me never got above 7.4, and yet I was 366 yeah. pounds, you yeah. know, lots, lots of fat in my fat cells. And then it yeah. just got to the point where it couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> exactly. It all spills over. Uh, that's probably why my HbA1c, I got became diabetic at 38, and uh, my HbA1c went up to 11.2. Yeah. Um, so, you know, everybody has a different path here. That's the thing you've got to realize is that we all have different abilities to be able to store away energy into body fat, mm. and that is generally genetic for the most part. Um, there's very, very few ways you can actually modify it um, chemically or environmentally. But yeah. um, so anyway, the the uh, the bottom line is we all we all have different paths. But genetically, people in the subcontinent are more likely to become very diabetic very quickly. That they don't even get really overweight. They, we get a, a big flag saying. You know, your health is not looking good because and because you're overweight. You know? And the other thing that comes to mind is that um, in India, is there a big consumption of sugar and processed foods like there is here in uh, the West? Yeah, well, one of the things about India is that it was part of the origination of sugarcane. So sugarcane sort of came from it came from Papua New Guinea, came from areas around Papua New Guinea, and mm. uh, it first went to India, and it was there for for thousands of years before it was imported into the Middle East, and then from the Middle East it sort of made it into Europe, and then from Europe it that it basically made it back to. Um, the Bahamas, I mean, the, the European sugar farmers, yeah. sort of in that sort of band around Cuba, right. know, the Bahamas. And then it made it all the way back to Australia. So Australian sugarcane literally came from Papua New Guinea going <laughs> right around the whole world. <laughs> they could have just taken a left. <laughs> it could have just taken a left at Albuquerque. <laughs> but anyway, so, uh, so yeah, the, uh, the, there is a lot of sugar in the diet. There's also a lot of, uh, recently, a lot of seed oils, um, yeah. a lot of um, you know, polyunsaturated oils. And had they been making bread for long, long before the? Um, I'm sure the answer is yes, but long before you know the the British uh, took over. Yeah, yeah. The, the breads were uh, were a staple. I mean, this is uh, breads are fundamental to to most of the diet mm -hmm. from the Middle East down through the the subcontinent. So right. um, you, you'll find if you go to a Pakistani restaurant or an Indian restaurant or an Afghan restaurant, um, each of the different Meals will be slightly different, but they're all going to be, you know, a, a meal with bread and then a, a meal with some kind of um, meat sauce. Um, yeah. If you're, uh, you know, if you're in the meat area, yeah. eating part of it, or it's going to be a, a vegetarian curry if you're going to be in the vegetarian 
part of it. It's it's always been part of the diet. Yeah, okay. that's why it's very difficult to get across a ketogenic diet because a ketogenic diet means you no, know, not going to eat bread. Right. And if if bread is if bread is essential to a meal, much like a knife or fork is to us, right? Bread is an essential part of the meal because it's used as part of the mechanism of of stopping up sources. And yeah, I I feel yeah I feel a little bit lucky that I don't have the extended family culture of you know you have to eat. Your pasta, you have to eat this, you have to eat that. And and particularly yeah. in these close-knit families where you, you've got grandma and grandpa living with you and grandma does the cooking. And if you don't eat her pasta, she's going to be offended, you know, like right. I, I feel sorry for people in that state because they really, uh, it's not just changing them. The whole family has to change and that can be really yeah. hard really hard yeah that can that can be very difficult yeah in my family it was you know clean up your plate um yeah that you don't want don't want leftovers and and you know if you don't clean up your plate you're uh you're sort of admonished about the ch- the poor starving children in africa and yeah all or in india thing. right or we in got india. that every every day so yeah yeah, yeah. I don't think I ever in my life really ate to satiety until I became ketogenic. So, yeah, yeah. And you mentioned earlier that you're 1% Indian that you learned from 23 yeah. and me? Yeah, so I did the 23 and me and it comes back and it tells you where your how your genes made it out of Africa and where they went through and basically tells you what your percentage is of, of ancestry from different uh, regions of the world. And I found that I'm 99% European and most of that is English and Irish. I have like, you know, 15% Scandinavian as well. Mm. But then 1% is uh, is Indian, mm. which is remarkable. And it's a, it's a, they've actually, they, they could actually tell that it was an ancestor uh, five generations back wow. who was 100% Indian. Wow. So, you know, that's, that's just remarkable. That is so, remarkable. Yeah. Anyway, so that, uh, so I have some Indian Indian ancestry. So I, I'm kind of, I kind of want to uh, find out how difficult it would be to go ketogenic and uh, do that on a vegetarian diet. Would I have to become a meat eater necessarily to go ketogenic? Right. And so that was my experiment. And we get asked all the time, you know, I'm a vegetarian. How do I do this? So yeah. it's kind of nice to say for you to say, well, when I did it, uh, yeah. I ate <laughs> X, Y, and Z, and that leads me yeah. to my second question. What do you eat? Okay, I eat a lot of vegetables. <laughs> to start off with, <laughs> yeah. So, so, and I, my res- my recipe today will actually be a go to meal that I eat for most days of the week. Okay, and it's it's really going to be. Um, I, I don't want to spoil a surprise. I'll okay. leave a cliffhanger to make sure that everyone keeps listening. But right. essentially, I, I'll, I'll stir fry up some vegetables um, in butter or in ghee. I bought mm. a big uh, one-liter bottle of ghee from Costco at the beginning of the month, and I'm about uh, three-quarters of the way through it. So and okay. we're only two weeks in. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's the 14th of the month now. So so anyway, the the um, you know it's going to take me about uh, two liters a month, I reckon. <laughs> Of ghee, <laughs> but I, I cook a lot in it because it's delicious. Yeah, it's delicious. It also draws flavors out of things. So, yeah. um, and I'll cook alums in it. So, for example, um, today I had uh, a leek. Uh, so I sliced up a leek very finely, cooked it in ghee, just to get the flavor um, of uh, basically making a flavorful sauce. And yeah. then, uh, and then I added some peppers to that as well. I like. I, I eat peppers, and I've I sort of had a craving for peppers ever since I went first went ketogenic. Huh. So I tend to add them in most meals anyway. But the um, so I'll, I'll add peppers, I'll add mushrooms. Mushrooms sort of uh, not entirely a vegetable. It's not an animal. It's yeah, like it's kind of ish in between thing. <laughs> it's an ish, <laughs> but yeah, it's a fungi. You know, fungi. It's a, it's a it's a fun guy to party with. So anyway, that, that could uh, go on my list of fun fungi. Fun guys. <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway, uh, you know, I, I I eat some mushrooms as well, and uh, and I'll chop up avocado, uh, uh, half an avocado, in a meal per person. Right. But the difficult thing is really getting protein because there's not a lot of protein in vegetables. So for example, you know, in my in my full vegetarian meal, it's like a dish, you know, full of um, full of vegetables. I'm going to be eating about 13 grams of carbs. I'll be eating about seven grams of those of fiber. So it's about mm. six grams of digestible carbohydrates. Okay. About 28 grams of fat and about two grams of protein. So oh. you know that's that's going to be a problem there. Well, that's, so that's where the why, ovo comes in, right? That's what, that's where the ovo comes in. Because what I'll do is I'll I'll uh, either have scrambled eggs with it, mm. or I'll have um, 
uh, I'll make egg noodles. So egg noodles are really good. What I do is I, I, I mix up a bowl of, say, four or five eggs, mix them up with a fork, salt it well, and then I'll get a pan really, really hot, put a little bit of ghee in it to the bottom just to, to lubricate the pan, and I'll pour in just enough egg to move around the pan. Yeah, like a crepe. Yeah, like a crepe. It's exactly like an, an whole egg crepe. And I only cook one side of it because, you know, I'm going to be cooking a whole bunch of these. Right. And I have a chopping board bes- beside me, and what I do is I – I cook the egg until the top surface of it is dry, and then I turn the pan upside down on the chopping board and tap it, and the egg comes out whole, and then I go do the next one. And I do like four or five eggs. Um, (laughs) It's about one egg per crepe, uh, or maybe about three quarters of an egg per crepe. And so four eggs is going to make about five crepes. And then what I do is I fold the crepes in half, and I slice through them, and I make egg noodles. Yeah. And so they they look like uh, fettuccine, but it's yeah. but it's made entirely of egg. That's very cool. Yeah, and the the eggs are about six grams of protein per egg. So if you're going to put together a meal that's got like thirty grams of protein, five eggs will do you. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I'll do sometimes is because I'm lacto vegetarian, uh, that enables me to use dairy, and right. uh, that includes cheese. And sure. cheese has really isolated the fat and the protein out of the the milk and right. thrown away the the, the sugars, which yep. is awesome. So, um, so you know, a, a, a twenty-five gram of uh, of uh, cheddar cheese is about six grams of uh, of protein as well. Wow, uh, it's a little bit more fat than um, than the egg. So the egg is the egg is six grams of protein. It's about five grams of fat. The the cheese is like six grams of protein, nine grams of fat. But yeah. you know, you're going to be adding some oils and fat into these things anyway. Sure, yeah, yeah. So that's what I do. The other thing I can do is baby bells, which are a little. Um, manufactured industrial cheese a baby bell is about five grams of protein as well and mm. it's uh it's probably about the same amount of fat as an egg so it's like you a know, you can, gouda right it's kind of like yeah. a edam gouda yeah. kind of flavor yeah yeah it is it's it's and it's covered with wax so mm-hmm. very much like a gouda so yeah it's very similar mm. uh, so the other thing i do is i i'll have um uh, protein shakes sometimes. So I've mm. uh, I've had used the Atkins shakes, which are uh, using whey as their protein. Yeah. I don't often eat Atkins food, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. I haven't really had an Atkins bar for for a while. But when I was losing all my weight, I was eating one every day. So yeah, you know, yeah. You know, you never know. But this Atkins protein shake is uh, is a good way to get some, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, fifteen grams of protein in a in a shake, which is good. Yeah. The other thing I do is I. I eat tofu. I got out my old tofu maker. I haven't eaten tofu since I first went keto, um, but I have a tofu maker, and you know the process of making tofu is very similar to the process of making cheese. Huh. Interesting. So, do you make uh, both firm tofu and silken tofu? Because I find the the silken stuff to be really delicious. Yeah. So I I make both. Um, it just it, the difference is how long you press it. So okay. um, and silken tofu, you just basically so so here's how you make. Make tofu. You take about 100 grams of soybeans and you put it in a tofu maker. It's a machine that heats up uh, water to 90 degrees Celsius, almost to boiling point, and then it it basically grinds these uh, soybeans in the water, and that's that's essentially what makes soy milk. It's just um, grinding them fine enough and at temperature to make the soy milk. But once you've got the milk... To make it into tofu, you need to coagulate it, and that uses a different chemical. It's basically a salt uh, called nagari. Um, uh, I think it's magnesium chloride. Anyway, okay. you, you add this salt into the soy milk, and the soy milk has to be warmed. It has to be at almost at 90 degrees. So so you, you add this salt to it, and then you basically pour it through a strainer with a, a, a cloth in it, like a cheesecloth. Right, and the 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 solid parts stay behind, and you end up with a um, a soft silken tofu. Mm, okay, the taste of fresh tofu is like uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. The difference between fresh freshly made tofu and tofu that is that has been uh, designed to have a long shelf life is like the difference between a tomato you grow in your garden and mm. one that sits on a shelf or, or the fresh mozzarella and store bought mozzarella. Exactly. That's enough. You yeah. try that fresh mo- that burrata from Pam's Horn. Oh yeah. Like that compared to, you know, mozzarella right, right, in a jar. Right, right. So, yeah. you know, it's 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 a it's a massive big difference. So the the taste of fresh uh tofu is delicious. 
uh, it, it has a really a, a strong fresh soy flavor to it, uh, whereas the um, yeah you know, the store bought stuff is just like plastic. Has anybody given you any crap about eating soy and how dangerous it is or how bad for you soy is? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, people very very worried about phytoestrogens and and the like. Um, I look at it from an ecological point of view that um, there are roughly 3 billion people on the planet eating soy every day and mm. none of them are growing breasts when they're not supposed to be growing breasts <laughs> so I'm not I'm not particularly worried but if you know if 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 I do happen to grow breasts I'll have something to play with <laughs> I saw, I saw a, a thing on on the internet which was a picture of a of a man and it says man grows breasts after eating tofu you know come on uh-huh. really just <laughs> uh you know could have been the beer just saying. <laughs> Could have been. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not particularly worried about it. From a, from a biological point of view or biochemical point of view, there may be some concerns in that some of the plant sterols, specifically in soybeans, uh, look very similar to estrogen. So your body oh. uh, mechanisms that are expecting estrogen can get signaled by that. That can be an issue. But as I say, when you look at it from an ecological point of view, there are so many people on the planet eating soy, and right. it's not a problem. So, yeah, very yeah, good. I, I, I think I think the theoretical mechanism is not borne out in actuality. But so, when you started, mm-hmm. was there any kind of noticeable difference in your uh, in anything, like in your feeling, your thoughts, your emotions, or, or anything like that? Yeah. So, I lost a lot of weight in the first couple of days, uh, but then at the same time. Um, I had been sleeping poorly in the week leading up to it, and the week that I was vegetarian, I slept really well, oh. and so it could be just it could be just fluid retention from from the stress right. of, of being a poor sleeper. So there could be a bit of that. I'm not too worried. I I don't really worry too much about weight as an indicator of much at all because yep. um, it doesn't really tell you what your glucose is doing or what your insulin is doing. It doesn't really tell you what how much body fat that you've got, you know, because weight is a component of, of a bunch of compartments and one of them is water, which can go up. In me, water right. can go up or down four or five kilos just going going for a two hour bike ride. So yeah. you know so so I don't I don't really I don't really use weight at that much as a as a marker of much, mm. uh, but I do intend to get a blood test at the end of the process, cool. and then uh, and the other thing I haven't mentioned yet is that uh, the only way I could do ovo lactoba, <laughs> I know it's coming, <laughs> is if I could do carnivember, carnivember, <laughs> carnivember. So the whole of November, I'm eating meat. Nothing but meat. Well, wow. I'm going to eat eggs. I'm going to eat. It'll be it'll be over lacto carno. Yeah, so animal products <laughs> but, only. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah. uh, and salt. No, no plants. No herbs. No spices. No right. no no herbs. No, no herbs. No wow. spices. No pepper. I'm doing it. For, I'm. I, I want to see what that feels like. No garlic. No garlic, no alums at all. Uh, that's going to be more difficult. So yeah. here's the thing: when I went vegetarian. And I don't know if, if anyone remembers back to when they first went keto. Maybe there's some people just have just gone keto recently and they, they remember it all too well. Mm-hmm. But when you first go keto, you panic about the foods that you love that you're not going to be able to have. And so sure. you go looking for recipes on bread. How do I make bread? I eat bread every day. Right. I can't do keto if I don't, can't eat bread. So yeah, right, you go right. find some recipe and the recipe says it needs, you know, soy, whey, whey soy isolate. It needs, um, you know, right. all these sorts of you go a little lupin nuts. flour. And, yeah. and so you go nuts and you buy all these things and you use them once. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then they sit, sit in your cupboard for four years and six months. <laughs> Ask me how I know this. <laughs> You're like, oh, this isn't bread. I don't want this anymore. <laughs> right. And now you've got a container of, of lupin flour yeah. or besan flour in your, <laughs> in your cupboard. So anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I did the same thing with when I went vegan. I think uh, vegetarian. I, I I was panicking. I, I needed to fill my shopping cart with vegetables mm. in my fridge. Now I've been I've been vegetarian for fourteen days. In my fridge, I have um, uh, a fennel <laughs> that I haven't <laughs> eaten. I have a daikon radish. I have um, you know several um, leeks. I ate one leek for the first time today. Yeah, uh, but. But for the 14 days, I've had two leeks sitting in my fridge, 
uh, being unused. I, there's so many, so many vegetables in my fridge that, that I, I was trying to get variety, but it turns out there's very simple meals. I just like these simple meals, and, right. and that yeah. does for me. So, so anyway, that's um, that. It's interesting. You, you, that it's always interesting when you start a challenge like this um, that. Uh, that you panic a little bit and you you you, you overdo it, yeah, <laughs> and sure. then you settle into a way, and then it actually becomes quite easy. And I think that I'm going to add a vegetarian meal into my diet at least once a week um, after Car November. I'm not yeah. going to have any vegetables in November, but after Car November, I think I'm going to go back to um, to my my usual lazy keto way. But I'm going to add in a vegetarian meal once a week because mm. I really like it. So yeah. yeah. So that Good. that's 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 the outcome. Well, that's awesome, buddy. So uh, you got what? Fifteen days left. Yeah, fifteen days. I'm, it's going to be easy. I'm actually panicking a little bit about going uh, only meat for, <laughs> for November. Uh, my my trainer uh, wanted to see my food diary, and well, he wanted the nutritionist to see my food diary. And the nutritionist is like, like, oh, that looks wonderful, wonderful variety of all different colors of food. So mm. tick on the. Tick on the many different colors of food theory. <laughs> okay. And then she complained about the saturated fat and yeah. said I should be eating more polyunsaturated fats. Sure. Other than that, the nutritionist was very happy, but the trainer was, was, was saying, oh, you need more protein in your diet. And he's got me on the rowing machine now, which I haven't done for – I haven't uh, ridden a rowing machine for almost three years now. So mm. that's a nice challenge. And the fun thing is that Car November, he was actually – I was telling him I'm going, uh, I'm going carnivore. And he said, "Oh, there's this guy who's who's gone carnival. is really famous, Sean Baker, um, <laughs> who's." Uh, and I said, "Yeah, yeah, he's the he's the 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 rowing world champion, right?" Yeah. And uh, so so they all know who they didn't know he was keto. Um, hmm. Well, I get you know I guess carnivore is going to be keto, but yep. um, it, they but they all know about uh, carnivorous diets. So he 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 has a theory that my my rowing performance will improve when I go carnival. So we shall see. All right. Well, I can't wait for uh, Car November. You'll, we'll have to do another show <laughs> yeah. when you're in the throes of that. Yeah, I think the 15th of November or thereabouts will be a Car November show. Definitely. All right. Well, that brings us to uh, our food section that we call Recipes. <laughs> yeah, okay there, buddy. <laughs> I strained something, you, eh? You, you didn't <laughs> pop a gasket, did you? <laughs> I think I did, actually. <laughs> Technical well, term. quick, give me a recipe <laughs> before. Before. He's going to blow. <laughs> uh, in honor of Oval October, I decided mm-hmm. to do a cheese souffle. Ooh, nice. I like a souffle. Yeah, I love souffle. And this is, I'm, I'm really amazed that we haven't talked about soufflés because it's just such a classic French dish. And yeah. A lot of people make them with chocolate. You know, chocolate souffle mm-hmm. is very popular. But yep. um, the basic souffle recipe is eggs and butter and flour and cheese. I mean, that's basically mm. it. I see one problem. <laughs> yeah. Anybody spot the problem? Anyone? Yeah. Anyone? Uh-huh. Bueller? Bueller? <laughs> yeah. So instead of using flour, I'm using cream cheese. And that just sort of okay. thickens it and gives it the consistency. But the basic idea behind a souffle is you separate the eggs and you whip the whites mm-hmm. into a meringue. And the other ingredients you combine and then you fold in the whites and then you bake it. And that's essentially what a souffle is. But here we go. You're going to need two tablespoons of softened butter. You're going to need six large eggs. You're going to need a half teaspoon of nutmeg. Nutmeg mm-hmm. is a classic spice that uh, the French use in souffle. Mm-hmm. You can, of course, use other spices if you want to. Some people put some hot pepper or cayenne or something in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. Uh, you want a one and a half cups of finely grated Gruyere cheese. And you want four ounces of cream cheese that's softened. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be ovo-lacto-vegetarian, you can omit the next step, which is optional meats. Right. Bacon, ham. Whatever you have, you can just put it in the bottom, and it that'll be great. If you don't mind eating something with a face, there is bacon and ham. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. All right. So you preheat your oven to 425 Fahrenheit or 218 Celsius. Cool. And so you either want a, a souffle dish or you want ramekins. Either way, it's going to work out to about the same. You're going to cook the ramekins a little less, obviously. But uh, you coat your souffle dish with butter. And then you combine all the ingredients except for the egg whites. 
Mm-hmm. And you want to use a stand mixer or something like that or a hand mixer and just get them a little bit fluffy. You can use a whisk if you want. Now you add the softened cream cheese and the grated cheese and make sure that's well combined and really smooth. Now, when you grate the cheese, grate it fine. Don't shred it like mozzarella that goes on top of the pizza because you really yeah. want it to just completely dissolve into the mixture. So sure. finely grated Gruyere cheese. So now you're going to do your egg whites until somewhat stiff peaks. Uh, and I say somewhat, you, you want them stiff, but you don't want them over stiff. Yeah. And so that's, that's what, seven minutes, six, seven minutes if you're beating in a stand mixer? Yeah, pretty much. And you don't add any salt to it or uh, to the egg whites or tartaric acid or anything? Well, the trick is to add a little bit of uh, cream of tartar right. to your egg whites. And just, you know, a half a teaspoon is enough. Mm. And that, that helps them stiffen up. Mm, good. As for salt and pepper, though, you're going to salt and pepper your cheese mixture to taste. So do that. Now, um, you fold the egg whites into the eggs and cheese mixture. Mm-hmm. And if you want your meats, see how simple this is? If you want your meats, you just put them on the bottom of the dish, the souffle dish. Yeah. And then you basically sp- carefully spoon it into the dish or the ramekins put it on a baking sheet and you bake that for 10 minutes only but here's right. the thing after that you reduce it uh, to 400 fahrenheit and bake it for an additional 15 minutes so about 200 celsius yeah, yeah about 200 mm-hmm. and then you want to be very careful that you know as you're opening the door and checking on them that the souffle doesn't fall which is the, right. the classic <laughs> problem. That's the that, cliche. That's the cliche. So do you grease the inside of the ramekin? Or you, I know yes. some people use flour. They grease it and then put flour on it. Yeah. And Just um, butter. Just butter. Yep. Right. Just butter. And, and these are great because, you know, they, it, it, it's bacon and eggs or ham, cheese and eggs. You know, it's a perfect combination of food and flavor. Sure. But it's light and fluffy. You know, and that's the texture of a souffle is just delectable. Mm, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my uh, that's my ovo lactarian with optional meat uh, recipe for today. In your honor, <laughs> sir. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to go with this is my go-to meal. I sort of teased it earlier on in the episode. So yeah. here's how I make my go-to meal. I start off with half a shallot. Now. Um, you can actually use any kind of alum. Alums, uh, you know, shallots, uh, onions, uh, leeks, garlic, uh, spring onions. They're all in the same family. Okay. What you're going to do is you're going to slice it finely and you're going to cook it up in butter. And that gets the meal started. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to develop a flavor. Mm. And so I like to use shallots. Now, uh, some people like to use onions. I've gone off the taste of onions ever since I've been keto. Uh, they're a little bit sort of like coarse and sugary to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, they are, they're a lot sweeter. Yeah. Um, I just want the concentrated flavor. And that's why uh, shallots probably give me the, the closest um, uh, option, really. For Love that. shallots. So anyway... Yeah, and I start. I only need half a shallot per person. It doesn't need a lot right. to get the flavour. You're going to dice it really finely, and this is going to disappear into the into the mm. meal. So, um, so we put about um, maybe a tablespoon of ghee yep. in a pan in a hot pan, and uh, I'll, I'll generally turn the pan on and put the ghee in, and then turn around and start chopping my garlic. And by the time or my my uh, shallot or onion or whatever and by the time i'm ready um the pan has got up to temperature so i'm going to hit it with half of a shallot diced really finely into the pan and then i'm going to take a, a face off the side of a capsicum or bell pepper it's roughly 20 grams of capsicum or bell pepper mm-hmm. when you think of a, a capsicum it's roughly cube shaped yeah. and a face is just literally one face of the of the capsicum so one quarter of it. Yeah, it is. It is one quarter. Yeah. Mm. So I'll take that and I'll dice it really finely and I'll throw it on the top of the of the shallots, which have almost now they've gone sort of like they go see through and then they go slightly caramel in color. Mm. And throw the peppers on top of that. The fact that the peppers are at room temperature and they're hitting a hot pan cools down the pan, giving me enough time to do the next step, which is where I take some mushrooms. I get about like half a cup or about, you know, um, 20 or 30 grams of anoki mushrooms. The reason I like anoki is I don't have to slice them. How do you spell that? E-N-O-K-I. Yeah. They're thin mushrooms. They have a little mushroom cap, but they're about the uh, they're about the width of a cotton wool bud. So they're like the size yeah. of a cotton wool bud and they, they come in like a, a in like a little forest. 
Right. I like those, but you can use any kind of mushroom. Sure. It doesn't really matter. Whatever you like, whatever your favorite is, woody is a particularly nice. Mm. What this is going to be doing is it's going to be almost acting like a shell. It's almost like it's going to be making, it's, it's going to be adding to the sauce, but it's going to be bringing in flavor. Mm. Add the anaki mushrooms. When the cold mushrooms go in, that then cools down the pan just a little bit, and then it has to get back up to temperature again. And meanwhile, I'll cut off a stick of celery from some celery in the fridge, and I'll start slicing the celery really fine. Now, the, the reason for the celery is a couple of reasons. It's going to be adding some water into the into the hot pan. Mm. It's going to be helping lift the fond off the bottom of the pan, which is where all the good stuff is. Mm-hmm. But also, celery has a, a salty sort of flavor to it, which is really quite nice yeah. in a vegetarian dish. Yeah. You don't want big bits of celery because otherwise then, you know, the meal is just like a meal of celery, which is not right, nice. Yeah, yeah. But if you cut them really finely, it'll render down. So use a mandolin for that? I You can use a mandolin. You know I love those Japanese Benrin yeah, mandolins. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. <laughs> you whip through it really quick. Quickly, yep. uh, but I, you know, uh, celery. I, I can get, through, I can, I can clank through a stick of celery, you know, in in yeah, yeah. like twenty seconds. So it's not a big problem. Nice. So this this meal is developed. The, the stove behind me is. I'm adding things every now and then. That drops the temperature down, brings it back yep. up again. Mm-hmm. So so now I've got celery, and then and then I get about a cup of spinach, mm-hmm. and I'm actually going to put the spinach to the side. I'm going to use that last. Okay. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take half a, an avocado per person, and I'm I'm generally cooking for myself, so I just throw half an avocado in. And so with an avocado, what I like to do is I like to I I basically halve the avocado. And pull out the the stone if I'm if I've got the stone side of the avocado, and then I draw a knife down the avocado flesh, and then uh, crosswise, and then I just use a spoon to scrape off layers yeah. of the chopped avocado. Mm-hmm. So you're basically getting avocado in sort of like quarter inch uh, or half a centimeter cubes, yeah, yeah. and uh, so I throw that in. Now that avocado is going to hit that hot pan, and the oils in it are going to render out, and it's basically going to. It's, it's it's going to disappear again. So yeah. so we're building this we're building this sort of like vegetal thick sauce. Nice. And then the spinach. I throw in a cup of. I basically turn this turn the the pan off at this point, and I throw a cup of spinach in and put a lid on the pan. Well, oh, wait, is this fresh spinach? Fresh spinach. Okay. Yeah. Well, how else would you have it? Like frozen? I uh, yeah. People have frozen spinach or yeah. cooked. So if you already you could. You could actually use frozen spinach. What I would do is I'd chop it up into small pieces. Mm. Um, but I'm going to ha- – because what what I want to happen here is I want the the steam that comes from the water of the spinach to wilt the spinach, and that's why I put the lid on. Okay. If you're just putting in frozen spinach in, that, yeah. that step has already happened, and so you're just yeah. going to be um, – you, you don't have to have, even have to worry about the lid. Just give it a good stir. Yep, but okay. That's the meal now. To dress it, I put about a tablespoon of hemp oil over the top, and that just gives it a really nice flavor. Now, if you don't have hemp oil, could you use like avocado oil or olive oil? You could use avocado oil. Avocado oil would be perfect. You could use macadamia oil. You could use like a really nice vegetal sort of olive oil, like a Mm. extra virgin olive oil. Yeah. Right. A very peppery one. I mean, find an oil that you like the taste of. You know, taste oils with a with a teaspoon, and find something you like the taste of. I particularly like hemp oil on these uh, vegetarian meals. It's mm. absolutely delicious. Mm. Never had it. No, the, oh, it's worth it. Uh, and it, it it's. Uh, I think the jar cost me like fifty bucks. It was not cheap. Huh. But this was like it. This was in the first day of a veg, vegetarian panic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, it's a, an oil, and it's made of vegetables. I need oils. So, yeah, I bought it. So, Richard, you're very good at describing flavors. Can you describe the flavor of hemp oil? Um, uh, so, it's a little bit like bong water. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How would I know that? I've never drank bong water. <laughs> Allegedly. So, um, let me see. It's uh, What's the flavor? It's, it's like a nut oil. Okay. If you ever had hemp hearts, uh, it, is, it is kind of the flavor of hemp hearts. Uh, rendered into an oil. Okay. And it's not, nothing at all like bong water. <laughs> Don't ask me how I know. <laughs> so anyway, to this meal now, we're going we're gonna to add some protein. Now, I sometimes use puffed tofu, um, and you can throw puffed tofu in there, and it'll pick up all that sauce, and it'll be delicious. How does one puff tofu? You generally buy it 
pre-puffed but if you make your own tofu like i do um, you press it to hard tofu and then you cut it into one inch cubes and you fry it oh okay put it put some ghee in a pan fry up that tofu you can coat it in coconut flour that's what i do is i would mm. i would uh coat the surfaces of the tofu in coconut flour mm-hmm. and then fry that in some uh, like ghee and it, that would be delicious okay so I, I, I tofu, or, or the other thing is I had egg noodles. Right, which you've already told us about. Yeah, which I've already told you about, yeah. Yeah, that sounds delicious, and uh, that's our Ovo-Lactober show. Yeah. Thanks, Richard. <laughs> of course, if you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something that you don't agree with, or some more research that you found to support or refute anything that we've said, send it by email to dudes at 2ketodudes.com or post it on our website. And you can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at 2ketodudes. Make sure to use the hashtag 2ketodudes. And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.2keto.com and you can have a look around the ketogenic forum without needing to create an account by starting with success.2keto.com. And if useless swag is your fancy, like t-shirts, coffee mugs, and all that other junk, head over to gear.2keto.com. And if you want a shot at getting some of that swag for free, join the 2 Keto Dudes fan club. You'll be eligible to win something in every show. Go to fanclub.2keto.com. And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts we produce, think about making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.2keto.com. You can also see all of our podcasts and other videos on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. Right, like KetoFest videos. <laughs> mm. And if you haven't already, go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That's how new people get to know about what we do. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. Richard, keep calm, keto on, and fast when you can. Yeah, keep calm, keto on, Carl, and certainly fast when you can. Absolutely, and we'll see you next time on Two Keto Dudes. <laughs>